0: Today, um, yeah, it's always interesting at this sort of time when you get to this time and I sitting with God saying I've got so much to say that sometimes you can have so much to say you don't know what to say because I don't want to say just anything and I don't want to say what I want to say, I want to say what he wants me to say because that's what changes us is when a man or a woman is used to speak the word of heaven into the earth to give the church and whoever has ears to hear the opportunity to receive a word that changes us because the word is to change us. The word at times breaks us. It breaks us up. It goes to work on our heart and it ploughs the heart and it breaks into the hardened heart. Jesus says to his disciples, he says, your heart's still hardened. So as a disciple of Jesus, you can have a hard heart which means you struggle to hear anything spiritually. You struggle to receive the spiritual seed. So the spiritual seed falls on the hard heart, and the Bible says the enemy comes along and just nicks it, and it doesn't have time to do anything because the heart was hardened. And we can have hard hearts as followers. We're called to have soft hearts. So the word breaks up hard hearts to create fertile soft hearts. Once the Word does that, then the Word goes and it builds. And it starts to build Christ on the inside of us. And that releases a blessing. Not physical external. I'm talking about a blessed inner life because one has received The spiritual seed, which produces after its own kind, which is a spiritual life. So the spiritual seed, when it is received on fertile soil, produces spiritual life. Correct? It is of its same kind. Flesh does not produce spiritual life. Only the spiritual seed produces spiritual life. And these are the words that God wants me to talk to us today. And it's this. And this is a question he wants you, you to ask yourself right now and this year. Raised in Christ or raised with and it can even be in Christianity. Raised in. Have you been raised? Are you being raised in Christ or with Christianity? You say, Greg, are they different? Yes. They're very different. You see, one is about being raised in the person, and the other one is about being raised in principles. and the question the Holy Spirit wants to ask us all this year right now today is are you raised have you been raised are you being raised in Christ or are you being raised in principles they're very different in a reality both are important but one defines the other So the challenge is it's not that being raised in Christianity is wrong or bad. That's the hoodwink. Because it's good, it actually deceives you into something you think you might be in, but you can't live out. So you know all about Christ... You've quoted the scriptures, you have made even preach the scriptures, you may sing about, you might pray about, you may reach out, you may share, you may prophesy, you may hear, you may do all the things that raised with Christianity people do, but you're not in Christ. Because being raised in Christ means you've become one with Christ and your life is hidden in Christ and so when people see you, they see Christ, not you. And that's an ongoing process, and that's an ongoing journey, and we need power for that. You see, there was power that came and rose Jesus, a dead guy, from the grave. And he needed the power because he was fully man like you and I on earth. So when he took our sin on himself, he was separated from his father, correct? Correct. And he died in that state, correct? Just like you and I, dead in sin. So if Jesus Christ needed the power of his Father to raise him out of the grave, out of the cloth, out of the tomb where we sung about that he was laid, do you? Okay. So if we all acknowledge we do, then have you? And are you aware of your true state, so you know what you need for this year. See, the best came 2,000 years ago. And we love to have these lovely catchphrases about this is the year of the breakthrough. What happened to last year? And the year before that? And the year before that? And the, Was there breakthrough in your life? Have you been continually coming into breakthrough every year? Because every day is an opportunity for this life in Christ. Every day is an opportunity to be raised in Christ, not raised with Christianity or principles or truths or about or Bible stories. I'm not saying, guys, any of those things are wrong. They're good, but they're not the person. You see, it's about a beginning position. What is your first placed position in you? Is it still you Or him. Are you still the source of you trying to enter into Christian way of living? Or is he your source and so you flow from the source out? You see, it's about a from or a for. And you need to know whether you live from or for. You need to know from or towards. Like is life always out there rather than here? Is it always going to be a better day when life gets better externally? Or are you a follower who it's irrelevant what's happening in the external life? Life is great because life is in. So it doesn't matter what's happening externally. I'm raised in Christ and in Christ determines everything externally. Even things that I might be going through physically, my spirit Christ in me, me and Christ is greater and stronger than anything that the earth, the enemy and my flesh has anything to throw at me because I'm raised in the person. I'm not trying to access life from a principle grasping for something out here. It is being formed in here. And so I live from power. I live from abundance. I live from being full and overflowing because I've had 22 years to enter into this and to grow in this and allow the word that broke me to build me, to bless me. The greatest blessing life in Christ is an inner spiritual life flowing out of the vessel. It has nothing to do with material stuff. If you get that, consider it a bonus, but hold it extremely lightly. So, it doesn't get in your heart and cause you to fall away from Him. Or fall away from the life I'm talking about. You don't necessarily fall completely away from Christ and do like the Ephesians did and leave your first love, but you hang around, but pretty much you're in a realm. It's quite boring, it's quite dead. It's all dependent on the external. Whether the guy likes me or not, whether I'm going to have a baby or not, whether I get the new job or not, the new car, the new hairdo, and if it's about here, I'm in trouble. I embrace baldness. (laughs) Come on, man. (laughs) See, because it's got nothing to do with external. Now, hear me, I go to the gym. I want to look good. I want to take care of the physical body God has given me. Why? So I can use this time wisely and live and bring glory to Him. Not to not to have an ego and not to self-worship. There's nothing wrong with the things of the physical, but if they are your God, then they are. And unfortunately... The institutional model, which has been on the earth for 1,700 years, teaches this. Raised within Christianity. And so our understanding is this, that you come to church. That's a raised within Christianity mindset that binds people. So if we say, I come to church... That is not this posture. People have said to me, "Ah, oh, I know I'm the church, then live it. Why do you actually live as if you go to it? You see, your life is the demonstration of what you're really in. We love to say all these words, we love to pretend that we're in something, but the reality is your life is telling you if you're here or here. Now, once again, it's not a right or a wrong, it's not a bad or a good, but it is a life and not a life. So this is good, it's not wrong, but there's no life, very limited life here. This is where we are to start, have the middle, and finish. And that's the challenge. Because unless we've experienced this, we are here. Because this is not something you figure out in your mind. Christianity or being Christ is not something you work out. It's something that happens in you and to you continuously through your surrender of realizing that you can't. You see, this is where we actually all start at best. There's lost people and then there are Christians who enter into principles, trying to access and possess life through principles. And the challenge is there's even a little bit of life in the principle. That's why a loss or the non-Christian world can take the principles of God and apply them and find life. But it's all in the world. What they can't do is access the spiritual life. That's another hoodwink, see, because you then claim principles. You try to memorize the principles. And there's an element of life, but the life is outside of you, not in you. You see, you can see life come through someone else. Be healed, Jason, in the name of Jesus. And Jason is healed, but the life is outside of you, and it's now in him, but it's not in you. And you can live a Christian life where Christ is really outside of you rather than being formed in you, and so his eternal life is being formed in you. You can have Christ in seed form, and the seed never becomes the tree. And so your flesh is really the tree, rather than the vine being the tree. Because you don't know how to hear and receive and partake of a word because you're still caught up and raised with principles. And that is the major player today in the church. So it's not like there are many here and few. There's many here. This is where the many hang out. And this is few. Few. This requires power, which only can come from the person. This is our own strength. So we try, don't we? You try to be a good Christian. You try to live to the principles. You try to keep the commandments. You try to be morally good. It's just not the goal. It's not the goal. It's to be Christ-like. It's to live a life of faith. You see, there was a rich young ruler came up and Jesus said, if you want eternal life, keep the thing you can't keep, the commandments. Well, I've done them. Then why, aren't you, why, why are you asking about eternal life if you've kept the commandments? Because you can't keep them. See, Jesus knows you can't keep the eternal commandments because you need his power to love him and love others the way Jesus did. And we go, well, I don't have that, so then we try this one over here. And instead of surrendering and realising that we can't, our pride goes, certainly I can. And so then we hoodwink ourselves and we stay on this journey of being raised in principles and truths and all these things, but not in the person. So I have no inner life in me. And Saul is an amazing prophetic picture of the church Raised with Judaism principles, laws, the Torah. If you want to look at a man who was raised in what I'm talking about, look at Saul. We all go, Well, I'm not Saul because I don't do what he did. Really? May not have physically ever killed someone. How about here and here? Did you try to access life through being raised in? Words. Yeah. Thanks, Warren. Or the word. See, this position is very strongly being. And this position is very strongly doing. And yet, in Christ, there is plenty of doing. But it comes from being. So I don't even like to use the word doing anymore because it confuses everybody because you read James it says we're supposed to do. Yeah, but do you know the doing comes out of the being? So it's the, the, what we would say the doing is just the expression of my being. That's a much better word of saying it. Because be still is here. You can't be still if you're here. Because you need to know God to be still. And you don't come to know God through principles. You come to know God through person. The gospel, the resurrected gospel of power, brings you here. The gospel of words that one mentally agrees with brings you here. Hear me, this is not wrong, but it's not here. It's an opportunity to go from here to here. It's a means to take you from here to here, but we stop here. And we're completely unaware that here exists. Then when one comes from here and starts to speak, we write them off. Because we have no reference for here, we only have a reference for here. And what we do in our puny little minds is try to understand, because we are here, what is being spoken here, so we can go yes or no as to whether I believe that. But if you haven't been here, you have no reference for here, so the best thing you can do is not do anything. And come as a child and go, Holy Spirit, help me hear what the person is saying because I know I'm not there, but I don't reject or turn this down or justify. I actually have an open, soft heart who wants to grow and learn because I'm hearing about a life that's for me. And I'm not going to let fear and the unknown get in the way of what I'm called for because I'm afraid of what's on the other side of that fence that I've not yet travelled. That road less traveled. This is a road less traveled by many. Why are everyone chosen but only few called? Have you asked yourself the question? Many. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. It's not few, it's many will say. We need to ask ourselves this question this year. God wants you to ask that question right now. It's an opportunity. Everything in him is an opportunity. The coronavirus is an opportunity. Everything that happens externally is an opportunity if you can see it through the lens of it being an opportunity. Anything can be can be used for good if through whatever it is, I will turn to him. And you find a life that you never find unless that opportunity comes your way. Have you discovered that? Do you know pain is one of the greatest opportunities for change in life? But you will never take yourself intentionally to pain. And then when pain turns up, we run the other way from it. So the pain propels us from the presence of God instead of pain propelling us into the presence of God and finding something that you'll never find unless the gift is given. And we go, ah, no, no, that can't be you, Lord. And it might not have come from him, but he allows it. Because there's the only way sometimes that we are going to enter into this is through pain. That is my testimony. Over and over and over, you've heard it. He came over 10 years, five times supernaturally, but life in here was still greater than life out there. Even though I'm seeing signs and wonders, lights in my room, what's in Greg, in sin, is greater than what God is doing. And so God has to come into Greg. Greg has to be raised in Christ, not in principles, in a family home with book stories, in the person, and then live. He says, live, son, but live completely different to the way you were living. And the problem is, it's not a lost, found thing, because plenty of followers live back to front. And we like to think it's just about those lost people that don't have it, but a lot of the people in the church are just as lost as the lost. Now, we have justified they don't, but as far as the kingdom truth and the kingdom reality and the kingdom life, we are lost to it. Jesus said, I've come to reach and bring back everything that's lost, not just people, the entirety of what was given away at the beginning when Adam surrendered everything to Satan. I'm restoring all things to new. All things are all things now, not then, now. And yet if we are in this, we're like, yeah, it sounds amazing. We go, yes, 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 and then we live completely different. Because we're trying to live this life out from our own strength, our own power, what we think, what we've been taught. And I ask people, where did you get your teaching from? Like, where did you get it from? Yourself? The leadership you were part of? The leadership you're now part of? A magazine? Google? Like, where are you getting your word from that's building you? Your discipleship leader? The tally? There's only one source to get it from. He goes to great lengths to share this flesh and blood, cannot reveal anything that is eternal. Flesh and blood, you can know the scriptures, but you don't know the one of the scriptures. Why do you seek the scriptures and not the one who is eternal life? Even though the one of eternal life stands in front of you, you unwillingly, which means they make a choice, go no. No. Because what comes out of the mouth of the one who is the word is different and completely opposite to what they heard and thought and believed. And don't think you and I can be any different. The greatest day was the day that I realized that I was the Pharisee operating from a flesh spirit. That's all it means. Don't think it's a person. The Pharisee is not a person, it's the flesh. There's only two things, spirit or flesh. They didn't recognize their Messiah because they weren't of the spirit. Whose message did they reject? John the Baptist's message. That message was turned from sin and iniquity. We don't think we have to turn from anything. Well, then you're never going to receive the Messiah, are you, that brought the kingdom message? So they blew it on both fronts because they were flesh. And you and I can too. We can be justified and blow our inheritance. We can be covered by blood but not crucified by blood and don't know the power in the blood that brings all this to life. Because all we've ever been taught is if you pray this prayer, you're saved. If you just pray this prayer, son, you're saved. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. I'm not judged. God is. Only God judges the heart. Only God knows who is truly saved and being saved and will be saved. But if you know that you know that you know that you know that you know and you have an absolute conviction in your heart, then I'd say you probably are justified by his blood. But that is the beginning. And unfortunately, we've made that the end. And so we sit, maybe in here, in a mustard seed, or we sit over here. This is where we're to be, and this is to be growing within us. You and I are to be pregnant with Christ. So last week, Sam preached a message about family, did he not? And natural bloodlines. And you see this natural order that Jesus was part of, but he wasn't really part of that at all. But he was. But he wasn't, but he was. So he came through the physical, but he did not take anything from the physical, did he? He did not take his leading, his understanding, his thinking from the physical. He took it from the spiritual. But he came through the the physical. Here's the problem, you can come through the physical, you can come through a Christian physical home but still only ever sit here. You can be justified, it's cool, awesome, you're not going to hell, but what about entering into the fullness of life, the reason why he gave you life? No, I'm just comfortable sitting over here. See, the worst thing I can teach my kids it's about living a moral code, moral life. As the number one. I talked to him about living a life of faith, which is raised here. This is all about trying to do the right thing, trying to be good, trying to trying to keep all the plates spinning, man. Then feeling guilty because you can't because the plates then fall to the ground. Then you spend six months in condemnation and guilt, even though Jesus said all those that are in Christ don't fear that stuff. And then you just get back to living up to the standard where you can show your face again, and then you fall over again. Anyone? And you're on this cycle of really nothingness, of just beating yourself up. And he goes, stop. That is not being raised in Christ, that is being raised in or with Christianity. That's trying to enter into life through principles and truths and quoting the stuff and memorising all the stuff. Son, you need revelation. Son, daughter, you need revelation. Full stop. You don't need anything more than revelation. Don't go revelation and don't go revelation, but just go revelation, oneness. And so he's raised in this natural family, but the only reason really for the natural family is to get the spiritual family in the earth. If we can be as cold as that, but it's actually from a place of love, God gave the natural family to get the spiritual family on the earth. Why do we then spend so much time and focus on priorities on natural family when the purpose is spiritual family? Why do we spend hours and hours and hours and money and resources and time on building the natural when the only real purpose for the natural was so God could get his spirit in the earth through a people who are people who would demonstrate God? Because we don't know that. That's why. We actually don't know that because our lives are the demonstration of what we know. And God wants to rescue us from us and bring us into Christ because plenty of people who are Christians who are here live for themselves. Self is still very much number one and we do everything through that lens. Even those who are committed to Christ still live from self because self hasn't been surrendered. You see, there's a difference between committed and being surrendered. Have you figured it out yet? You can be committed to Christ, but you're not surrendered, so actually it's still all about you. And you do it based on your conditions. You don't serve based on him and be a bond servant. You're a servant, but you're still wrapped up in self, which means you're self-serving you, even though you look like you're serving him. You actually do it for you. He says, unless you lose your life for my sake, you will never find life. You're just finding your version of me. And we need to grapple with this stuff because the only way to come to this is to lose you. But it's easier just to serve him rather than lose you. He says, it's easier just through function because then I look like I'm doing the right thing. And God goes, I don't need your function, son. I want to have fellowship with you. I don't want function. I want fellowship. What is fellowship, church? Oneness with Who? And who? Yeah, but oneness with God and one another. He wants oneness in this room, not conformity. He wants spiritual oneness. He wants us all to have the same mind. He wants us all here. So we can have the same mind, same love, same spirit, intent on the same purpose. Not 15 million people running around trying to do the different things, doing one thing called His will. Which can look different, but ultimately we're one. So this is massive. This is massive. It's way bigger than what most people even consider. Because we love to stay in this comfort. No? If you want a comfortable Christianity, I wouldn't even bother. Like, Go, to, go fill your boots. Like, Comfort and Christ don't go together outside of the Holy Spirit being the comforter. If you're looking for this good life on earth, you may even want to check your radar between Christ and you. Like, a good life? Like, what is a good life? Like, why do you call me good? Do you know where I'm talking? Rich Young Willow. Why do you call me... What are you talking about? Good. What, what language are you talking about? Good. No one is good. So if no one is good, why are you looking for a good life? Look for a God life. What does a God life look like versus a good life? What does a God life look like? Like a comfortable life. What's a comfortable life in Christ? He promises you sufferings, trials. Your own family are going to hate you. Have you got comfortable with that one? Have you got comfortable with your wife or your kids or your husband or your mum or your dad not liking you and actually being against you? And you have to try and figure out how you walk that out without actually alienating people but actually honouring God. Like, have you figured that sucker out yet? Because that's what it is to be in Christ. People don't like it when you're in Christ. They like it when you're raised with Christianity because you don't threaten anything. You don't bring any reality of power, of substance that goes, sorry, but this has to change. You know how we've been living for us? That's got to change. You know how you've been in my heart and I've been in your heart and we've been trying to suck life out of each other? That's got to change. You know how we had the kids because we were incomplete as a couple? That's got to change. You know how we want the other house and then the other house and the holiday home because we think that's going to be the thing that brings us peace? That's got to change. That can't happen under this roof. This can't happen under this headship. Things have to be different because you're in Christ, not raised with this. And this pumps that stuff. <clears throat> and it leads you nowhere and it takes you out of life where you can actually stand in Christ, be hated and love. Only in Christ can you live like that. Come with me to Galatians 1.15. I love that. Pregnant with Christ. Mary was pregnant with Christ. Conceived in Christ. So this is Paul, Saul, Paul. Look at 15, but just come with a 13 for a minute. He's just talked about how he received the gospel. Okay, Not words, he received the person. For you have heard, this is 13, for you have heard of my former manner in life in Judaism. You're going to be in something. Yeah? You're born in sin and iniquity, correct? How do you get out of that? It's part of the process, but you can surrender and still be in it, yeah? So what takes you out of being in sin and iniquity? His power. Resurrection power runs through my veins too. I believe there's another miracle here in this room. The miracle is changing lives. The miracle is changed hearts. The miracle is renewed minds. So often we make the miracle about seeing the sick healed or broken arms. No, you getting changed is the greatest miracle. You and I becoming Christ-like is the greatest. You going out of Christianity into Christ is the greatest miracle. And so he's saying that he is in a former manner of life in Judaism how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism. Flesh. Man's understanding of God. Man's understanding of the scriptures. Man's understanding of the Torah. Man's understanding. He was advancing in. So a man who thought he was honoring God, was he living like that? You don't know? No. So does your life look like it honours God or not? You see, when you're in Him, your life will honour Him. When you're in this, your life will honour you. Like in reality. You can play the game and sing and look like you're actually honouring God. But are you? Like is your life truly honouring God 24-7? Do you put yourself second behind everybody else? Are you no longer living for you and you're only living for him? I no longer live, but the life I live, I live in Christ. Have you transitioned from it not being about you and everything being about you and what about me, 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 and me, and me, and me? Because that would be to still be wrapped up in Christianity or a form of Christianity rather than be in Christ. Because you can't take yourself. That's, that's dead in sin. That's dead iniquity. What it's all about me. Is I'm still dead in me. And none of us, and there's no good people, there's no perfect people that somehow, because you figured out something, you go from here to here. We all start here. Every one of us is selfish. Every one of us is self-centered. Every one of us thinks of ourselves first. And then at best, if it suits us, and if it works in with our timing. And the cost. Are we prepared to do this? Let's weigh it all up. Yeah, I'll give you that time. That's self. That's not being in Christ. That's being in a form of Christ called churchianity, thinking you're in Christ because you're still making it all about you. That's not Christ. you hearing this? That's not Jesus Christ. Jesus came with no conditions and died for you and me. No conditions. He gave us a free choice. He didn't even say you have to choose me. That's how free it is. There is no conditions. It's free. And I do it because I'm love. And when you come into Christ and you are love, you can live like love. You don't love conditionally. That's still being in you, in self, in sin, because you're wrapped up in principles, you're wrapped up and raised in this, but you're not raised in Christ. He says, church, I want every one of you in me. I died for you to be in me and to grow in me. And Paul is the greatest picture of this. He's a picture of the church The flesh is Saul, and he's a picture of the church or sons in spirit as Paul. And he says this, I was raised in Judaism, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. You see, in this camp, there's extremes. There is the one who has zeal, but not in accordance to the knowledge of truth. They are full on, man. They are active. Like they are out there. They're in your face. They are like Mitchell man running around 100 miles an hour. All done in their own strength. And I don't know how they do it, but they somehow manage to stay alive. I don't know what it is. It's the false version of vision or something they've got that they think they're getting something and it still manages to motivate them to keep them going. You have probably, you may be one of them. You may have experienced one of them. They're just like, go, 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 go. They are the ones that have lost their lives, but for not his sake, their sake. And so they get incredible purpose, meaning, peace, and joy out of what they do for God. Everything they do is part of their identity. And that's probably what it is. If they stop, they don't know who they are. So their sons... But they're actually living as slaves because their identity is based on what they do, not who they are. So they've got to keep doing things for God and doing things for God and doing things for God. And if they stop, they're in trouble because I have no idea who I am and I don't even want to look at that. So I'm just going to do this and hope that goes away, but it never does. And you hope that at some point these people burn out and they come to the end of themselves And they come back like the young son. And then there are these people. And these people are highly apathetic. Like this is your, yeah, she's all good, mate. You don't need to be part of a church family to be in the family. I can be an individual. I'll turn up now and again when I want. And You know, I'm pretty, no, I don't serve. I don't give. I don't do anything. I just come and take. I'm all about me and getting. This one's all about me and getting, but they look different, but they're of the same kind. It's called this, flesh. And you've got to know because you've got to discern because these guys are very convincing. You get caught up with these guys, man, they, they're amazing. They know the right spiel. They've got the right lingo. They're building amazing organizational things. They've got people moving, shaking. Woo, we're moving, we're growing. This is happening, bro. And these guys, well, they're more easily recognizable because they're like, chill out, man. Those guys are way extreme over there. And then you've got people who sit in the middle. They do a little bit, they do a little bit this way, and they're a little bit that way. But they're not any of these people. And that's a real issue today because only this side has the life that this talks about. And Paul, he was over here. Paul, Saul, was that guy there. Who wrote they have zeal without knowledge of truth? So he looks at his own people and goes, it was So I write it down because I love my people in the hope that they'll actually change. In the hope that they'll hear something and want to change with the choice they've been given rather than do the same thing, expecting a different result. Is this coming year going to be a year of change with the choice that you've been given to no longer sit here, because you know if you're here, and you know if you're here. And this is not a right and a wrong, a good and a bad. Both of this is the family of God. Okay, This is not an us and a them. This is an us. But God doesn't want us here. He wants us here, together. So then we can have fellowship, spiritual oneness Together, as opposed to having a house divided, where this side speak, this side goes, nah, don't believe it, this side speak and goes, this guy's no, that's not the word of the Lord. And so it's a house divided, but we like one another relationally and we get on, so we just hang out. But that's not the church. That's a club. That's friendship, not fellowship. God wants fellowship as number one, not friendship. Friendship can never define the people of God. It's fellowship. It's spiritual oneness. It's irrelevant whether you know me and I know you. It's irrelevant. Do you know him and do I know him? And that's our number one. That's in the beginning is the word. In the beginning is God. Now God will use Friendship to bring us into fellowship because of where we're at. Because of our immaturity, God will take us in friendship to get us into fellowship. So he'll use it all, but the starting place is fellowship. I've heard this so often, and it keeps people in bondage. Oh, I need to get to know people before I can be honest, real. Do you know that's bondage? So what you're saying is, I'm going to stay in my bondage until I can trust Sandra. I've come to set you free. No, yeah, yeah, cool, but I'm going to stay in bondage until I trust her. And I just get to trust Sandra, then she breaks trust. And now I'm broken. So now I'm going to start all over again, and now I just got offended because now she's actually broken part of me. So now I've got to find someone else, Ever I do, because I just got hurt. Anyone? Don't you have to risk it all to find love? Who's been hurt looking for love naturally? Who's been crushed looking for love naturally? But you've got to give it another go to find love, don't you? If I'm going to marry this beautiful woman over here and have beautiful children, I've got to trust in God because I got crushed in my first marriage. I can't let hurt and offense get in the way of finding this beautiful woman and this life that God has for me now, but I can't let it get in the way of my spiritual inheritance. But why do we? Because we're looking for friendship. Our first offer is physical, natural, earthly, because we're raised in Christianity, but not in Christ. And so my first, seek first, seek first, seek first, but first, Lord, let me go and bury, no! No! No, you don't go bury your dead. You follow me. The call is huge. The call is massive. It's not reasonable. It's not fair. It's not comfortable. Don't even start if you want that. It's out of earth. Jesus was the most irrational guy on the planet. And yet he was love. And it's okay while it's in a book, but when it comes down in front of you and it's in the form of someone else saying it and calling it, oh, now the heat just gone up in the room because the book's now coming alive. Out of the book is living the Word. It's a living. The flesh became living. Christ came from heaven to earth and stood. If you are back in his time, if you're back with this guy, my goodness, when Paul spoke... Woo! Do we have Christ in us to hang out with that guy? While he stays on pages in a book here, he's fine because I can close him over. (laughs) I can turn him off on the iPod. Well, that's old, isn't it? The podcast, the iPod. Back in the day, when I was, <laughs> I've got to finish Galatians, I close the book. Just, I'm just going back to Galatians. I'm going to close it. Verse 15. <laughs> Someone knows me well. But when God, those are incredible three powerful words who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him. Do you know there's a massive difference between preaching principles and preaching him? Do you know they sound the same but they are not the same? The principles come from the person, correct? But to take the person away and just try the principles leaves you with dead mana. It's like crusty brown bread. It's still bread, but it has no life. Are you hearing the analogy? It's like someone comes to you who's all about the principles and not the person. They go, taste my bread. And you go, I almost broke my teeth. What's that? That's the word of the Lord. And you're going that ain't the word of the Lord because I tasted the word of the Lord and that ain't the word of the Lord. That's, that's, and in fact, there's mold in it. And you're like, what's that? That's, that's the bread. That's the money. That's living. You're like, no, 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 no. That's not. This is the bread of life. Has a different smell, a different taste. It feeds you and fills you just like bread does. Why do you work for food that is perishing instead of receiving from me eternal food? Like, Why do you worship the miracle and not the one of the miracle? Why do you spend more time around trying to do signs and wonders rather than coming eating the bread of life? Because you don't yet know you're still bound in something else called raised in Christianity rather than raised in Christ. But I'm here, lady, and if you want to drink some water, but you're not asking because you don't know, but I'm right in front of you, and the fact that you're not asking is the evidence you have no idea who I am. Because if you could see who I was, you'd be asking me, so you're not. So I have to come into your world, and I have to actually ask you, do you want water? And then you ask me, but where's your bucket? And I so love you, I ignore that comment and I talk about living water. But then I address the real issue of your heart and I say, if you want this living water, go get your idol. You see, you've been raised in a form of the Torah. You've been raised in a form. You know some things. You know about the Messiah. You don't know Him because I'm in front of you. Even when I tell you I'm the Messiah, you still don't know I'm the Messiah because you can't hear me because the Spirit's not yet been poured out. But you have a reference because you have the Scriptures. So you have a reference for me through the Scriptures, but when I turn up, you don't know me. That is a significant problem today in the body. Because trying to live a life in Christ, in the scriptures, not in Christ, will get you nowhere. Nowhere fast. You'll be frustrated, disillusioned, angry. Why can't I? Because you just said it. Why can't I? Because you just said it. Why can't I? I? Because I has no place in the kingdom. I has to be lost. You've got to stay over there, Greg. Then I'm going to call you out through power. And I stays there. And you come. You hear what I'm saying? This is what happened to Paul. But when God had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, he's quoting Ephesians 1, 3 to 4. Before any of us were in sin, if you've prayed that prayer, and you're in, you're in Christ, you've prayed that prayer, and you're, you're justified, then you're now to grow in the reality of this. Because you were not in sin. You were in Christ before you physically came into this earth. Which means your life is concealed from you and for you. So if Christ was concealed from you when you were born and your life is in Christ, you are concealed from you, correct? Say it again? Okay. Christ is the unseen one. Yes? Okay. He comes from heaven to earth, but he's always been. But he's unseen to the flesh. Right. Right. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, 3, and 4, and here in Paul, that before we were even born, we were born in Christ. So if Christ is the unsealed one, then our lives are born in him, which means when we're physically born, we're born out of that position, tracking, and physically we are in sin. But we have to discover who he is first, because we don't know who he is, And if we know who he is, then we'll know who we are, because from the beginning, our lives are in him. So I'm born out of not knowing who I really am. So I'm not Greg Simnor when I'm born to Alan and Lillian Simnor in 1969. I have already been born, but it was before the foundations of the earth in the Messiah. So what I needed to do, what happened to me at 29, I started to discover who I was before the foundations of the earth. So for 29 years, I lived as someone I really am not. I'm Greg Simnor flesh, but I was predestined to be Greg Simnor spirit. So for 29 years, I was lost. How long was Lazarus in the tomb for? Four days. And they said there was a stench, did they not? What does it look like after 29 years? What's the stench like in twenty nine years? ho, Who's that guy? Track my twenty nine years, everything I did there's a stench, but love comes into the stench, rescues me out of, brings me into Christ, and for the last twenty two years, I've been figuring out who I am in Christ because I've been concealed from me, and I'm discovering who I am. In Christ, not in Elanilean Simnor, not who my mum and dad said I was, not who other people say I am, none of that. That's all earthly, that's dead in sin. Why would I take my leading from people unless they are in Christ, who know Christ? I'm not going to listen to that rubbish. I'm not going to listen to people that say, you're not this, you're not this. I'm taking my leading from Christ because I'm in Christ and I'm discovering a life that I've been called for. Same as this man, Paul. Cool. So he then says, I preach him. I don't preach this. One scripture, then I am finishing truly, because I just want to read this, which sort of sums it all up. One Corinthians fifteen, twenty two. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made. Alive." Oh, You're right, buddy? You're right? right it's the power of the word. <laughs> <laughs> there was an earthquake, Tim. that's what it was. <clears throat> "Made alive." How alive are you? Like I don't mean physically. I mean spiritually. How alive? Then when you wake up. like Morning's always good, eh? Morning's a really good indicator of how alive you are. You're thinking, oh man, I've got to do this today. I've got to do this. Oh, oh, gee. Like, do you wake up in love? Not with a woman or a man or a child. Do you wake up in love with him? Like this is what he wants for us, yeah? In him, him and you. That our lives are hidden in Christ. Your life no longer is, your life is found in Christ. So that means you're alive because the Christ is alive. He's not dead, is he? So if he's in you, growing in you, that you're alive. Not because you're trying to be alive, like it's not some self help program. If I just do this or go to this or go to this deep meditation stuff, I can change all this. No, that is all demonic. We're talking about life because he is life. In the beginning is life. And then I've been called to know life, and life is to reside in me. So I once was dead in death. Now I'm alive in Christ, growing in life in Christ, living as Christ not God, Christ-like, because I've left Christianity, principles, truths, nice stories, Sunday school, and I'm coming into the person. None of that wrong, but it's not an end in itself. It's a means to get me into the person. And so it's a journey that many have to undertake in this house and in the body of letting go and stepping in trust, and belief in him. And you find reality and all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness. But you know what? And I was talking about Christian. There's no life in the temple. Don't be a temple follower. Be a wilderness follower. John the Baptist, where was he preaching? What was he wearing? Robes. Where were the religious people? Jesus had to come into the temple to preach his father's truth, did he not? He has to come into the temple and he has to overturn the hearts. Not the tables. The hearts. No, no, Greg, it says the tables here. Look between the lines. It says the hearts. Why? Because the hearts had made his father's temple a robber's den. He's got to come and turn over your heart. It's circumcision of the heart. He's got to cut the flesh. Amen. If you've gone through that process, pray it was as a child. But he's got to come, he's got to cut the flesh, circumcise the heart, now live. So he comes in, he grabs hold of the table because his own people had made it something that was never intended for. And that's what happens when you live from flesh, from principles, from laws, but not spiritual life. Doesn't mean we don't gather. Don't hear this place. Hear this place. Hear this place. Life. So I pray this year that you'll take this to him, not just today, and he'll do a work in you that you have never yet had done, and you will not stop singing, praying, praising loving on him and other people. Father, I thank you for this opportunity we get to know you, to be in you, and to be with one another. And this year is going to be an amazing year because every year is amazing in you, Lord. And I pray that we take everything that comes this year as an opportunity to get to know you, to harness it, and to allow it, whatever it is, to propel us into your presence and your power. Because in there we find your resurrected life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.